as we mentioned, this is our week that we're kind of pushing out of the Hero Series into Advent, and I am getting a little excited about Advent. You see, this morning on my way to church, I called my dad because um, November 26th is my dad's birthday. And that, my dad's birthday was special to us for multiple reasons, but the real reason we got excited about November 26th was because when I was a kid, that was the day we took out of the box our Christmas tree and became the first people on our block to have our Christmas tree in the window. That's quite a few years ago now. I'm over 40 years old, 40-some years old. And so uh, in those days, in the olden days, you didn't, <laughs> Bobby, you didn't put your tree up until after December 1st, at least in where I was growing up. And so we were ahead of the game. But now, I was saying to someone before service that I am concerned that we, if we now like to have a real Christmas tree, that we will not get a Christmas tree if we don't get it soon. You know what I mean? Because people are ahead of the game. People love Advent. They love Christmas. They love the season. And so um, we're going to hold the tension between Heroes of Faith and Advent today. Kind of bridge the gap. But I thought I would start with this memory here. Uh, I saw something on Pinterest a few years ago. You do watch, like, look at Pinterest sometimes? Or Instagram reels, or never mind. <laughs> so I saw this, this thing, and, and, I, and it was they, this person, they cut up a whole bunch of oranges. They took a bunch of fresh cranberries. They put it inside of cider, uh, apple cider, the Pentecostal kind of apple cider. And then they put in it... Um, cinnamon sticks, and they put in rosemary, which was kind of neat, something different, and all these different spices, and they would put it on the stove, and they would have it mauling, like just brewing all day long, so the entire house would fill with the smell of the season, a beautiful aroma, filling the whole entire house. It's kind of my hope for during the season that everything God is doing is just creating this aroma, creating this opportunity for the body of Christ to be able to be blessed. This week we had a, a, a wonderful meeting as the members of the church, and I, I can't go into details regarding that meeting, but I do want to let you know this. God is doing something amazing and so we have um, an information meeting that will be coming up. We just ha we're working with some other partners, so we have to coordinate a few things. But, but on a Sunday afternoon in December, following the church service, we're going to have an information meeting where we can give you the full details. Won't that be nice? Like the full details, even the details the membership is yet to have in their uh, in their knowledge right now. All, every detail. But it was such a positive meeting. Everything went well. We want you to know that the peace of God is at work within the membership. And so, would you keep that in mind, even as you're mulling things over of the season and the future and what God's doing? Know that God is creating this wonderful atmosphere as we lead into Advent, reminding us of him, Jesus, the word of God. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and we're going to dig deeper into that next week. But verse 6, there's this, it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
And he came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. But before the man John, there were two other people, we know that to be true, two people of faith who without them, John would not exist. Do you know that you would not exist if it wasn't for your parents? And it's at this point in the biblical history that I would like to share today this transition from heroes of the faith into the Advent season, which is called a Christmas life. And we have all said along, all along in this series that heroes are ordinary people who become heroes simply by doing the right thing. We added that they become heroes doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason and for God's glory. It's what makes them heroes of the faith. It's not always the big characters, and today I want to remind us of the reason behind, uh, remind us of the reason behind the big faith steps that are often taken by heroes of the faith, the kind of the why they do uh, these big things for God. And big faith steps are often taken, and it's very timely today, but they're often taken with the next generation in mind. Noah, he built an ark to preserve future generations of the multitude of species of animals. Remember the two by two, the reptiles, the birds, the insects. But not only the creatures of the world, but the preservation of the faithful, his offspring who had not turned their back on the God of creation. There was, the purpose of building an ark was to preserve them and to make a way for future generations. Moses gave instructions to Israel regarding the commands of the Lord later on in scripture. Deuteronomy 6, it's always been a passage that I, I have loved for, for years. Uh, as some of you know, I was a family ministries pastor before I was here, uh, not before I was here, before I was at my last church where I became a lead pastor for the last seven years. Uh, but before that, I was family ministries, children's ministries. And so this Deuteronomy 6 passage, it meant so much to me. And it says this, these are the commands, the decrees and laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and your children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, the scripture says in verse four, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands I give you today are to be on your hearts. And verse seven is the part that's always stood out to me and I feel it's worth reminding us of again today. It says, impress them, these truths, these commands, on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and behind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The words of God's commands were to be impressed on their children as part of the, the everyday normal, as part of their travel, as part of the first and last thoughts of their days. They became a part of them. Their lifestyle became a, a reflection. Their household reflected these truths in both spirit and in action and in words. The next generation, 
follow it with me, was to be infused with the priorities of heaven because it was reflected by the generation before. It was prioritized and reflected by the generation before it. We keep moving along in scriptures and we come to David and David on numerous times he sung these words about God's faithfulness from generation to generation. Psalm 145, three to four, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is, his greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts or deeds. Psalm 71, 17, he said, since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, <clears throat> do not forsake me, my God, till I declare, until I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. This was the heart of David, who had a heart after God, we're reminded in scripture. I was telling someone last week and about, it was at a funeral actually, but I was talking about my grandfather having a heart attack at the age of 54, which now I realize is really young, really young. His heart completely stopped and they thought they were going to lose him. He, he remembers and has recalled several times when I've sat with him, how in that moment when his eyes closed involuntarily, that an instant peace came over him. So much peace and a peace that he, although he's born again believer, filled with the Holy Spirit, has never felt the same since. An overwhelming peace in that moment when he was on his way to glory. My grandfather still tells the story and he's still a little peeved off to be honest. That the doctors brought him back from that peace. He was disappointed and he dared to even say when he first saw my grandmother and, and his kids, why did you bring me back? <laughs> And he's a happy man. <laughs> he has a wonderful family. And he wrestled with God afterwards because it was so profound, the peace that he entered into, that there was no way he wanted to come back to this earth. He wanted to be with his maker and he caught a glimpse of eternity. And the Lord then impressed on him after that. And he spoke about it many times that there were people who needed to hear the gospel message and that's why he needed to remain. My grandfather, he's now in his 90s. <laughs> God really had the last laugh with him. Uh, he's still in his 90s, and when he wrestled with losing some of his independence and moved into a retirement home, he then came to terms and reasoned again that God had work to, for him to do, so he started a Bible study, chapel every week. He began witnessing to the nurses, to the staff, and he continues to go outside and weed the gardens out around the, the, the retirement residence because that, it was originally dedicated, that, that whole building, to the Lord. And he says, it's God's, God's property. I'm going to take care of it. 
Not one day will be robbed from his life without the Lord's choosing. And that's the truth for you and I. And until we are gone, we all have work to do to sharing the love of the Lord with others, including the next generation. But is it possible? Here's the tension today. Is it possible that all of us, including myself, we get narrow-minded, a little self-focused, and we miss out on the opportunity to not only be heroes of the faith, but to pour into future heroes of the faith. We need heroes of the faith who simply make a way for the next generation to experience the good news of salvation and to be fully equipped and realized in their destiny. So how do we as people of the faith make a way for the next generation? Well, I believe that we do it in a three ways to start, but there's a, a whole bunch of them. First is that we have faith. Faith to believe in the impossible. This brings us to the, the story that's in Luke, and it's, it's the lead up towards Advent. It's the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth, godly and devout believers, too old to have children of their own mer- on their own merit, too experienced and wise to dare to ask for something more at that point in time. In Luke 1, verse 5, it says, In the time of King Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, his wife Elizabeth, who was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. And we know this story well and we've heard it before. Bobby preached it apparently a couple Advents ago and, and we know the story to be that when an angel, the angel Gabriel came to him and told him that they were going to conceive a child, he kind of laughed and said, this is impossible. And his doubt caused him to be, be mute. His doubt caused him to be mute. Greatest fear among many seniors that I pastor with and, and, and work alongside of is this fear of becoming obsolete, isn't it? Be- becoming irrelevant to the next generation not having something to be able to pass on and give because they no longer feel worthy to be listened to or valued to be listened to. You want to become invaluable or indispensable to the next generation. If that's your desire today, may, I let, may your, let your mouth be full of faith, not doubt, that God is doing something good and has good plans for the future generations. Amen? The next generation has enough naysayers, enough doubt of their own. Hold on to faith in God. The God who loves them, who loves you, has good plans for them, who has never forsaken you, will never forsake them. Say yes and amen to what God is doing in their generation and the next, even if you may not live to see it fulfilled. Man, no day is guaranteed for any of us. The list of people of faith in Hebrews 11 says, by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he didn't even experience death. He could not be found, the scripture says, because God just took him away. That's the way to go. 
For before he was taken, the Bible says, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, the Bible says, it is impossible to please God. May he reward those who earnestly seek him and seek him for the next generation, having faith to believe in God's best. Why do you think God told the people of Israel to talk about the commands of the Lord that we spoke about in Deuteronomy? I mean, these were the scriptures, these were the words that that Zechariah and Elizabeth would have known as well. Uh, Why do you think God told the people of Israel to talk about the commands of the Lord to their children? Talk about them to the next generation. If they're not your kids, if you don't have kids, still talk about them to the next generation. Repeat them aloud, the command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It was because, I believe, they were reminding their children of God's faithfulness. And while they were doing that, they were exhorting themselves. While they were reminding their children of the faithfulness of God, they were exhorting their own spirit. And this is the way that God's work works. And do you know why he works this way? Because it's really hard to grumble and praise at the same time. (laughs) It's hard. You can't have praise and grumbling happening at the same time. And it wasn't, this command wasn't just for the sake of the next generation, it was for the sake of the generation that was present that they would not forget his goodness. Your children, your niece and nephew, their children, they, your praise they will benefit from more than your critiquing, whether it be about God's plans, God's church, the world around you, or God's plan for the future. And that's why I love this church. You're gonna think I'm just saying this right now because I'm your pastor, but I've been in a few churches. I have not heard more, I've heard more positive things after church and throughout the week, relating to what God is saying to you through the scriptures, through messages, through times of worship, whatever that looks like, I have never heard so many positive things being coming off of the lips of God's people than at Calvary. I'm not just saying that. It is good, and it probably doesn't surprise you because you're, you're used to that kind of atmosphere where we just say thanks, and we just let people know what God is doing in their hearts, but this is unusual. But this is, means we're right on the right track. Be quick to give your praise. It's healthy, it's contagious. It's faith in action. Luke 1, we go back to the story and the angel says to Zechariah, do, do not be afraid, your prayer has been heard. Your wife will bear a son, you're to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. In case you didn't know, the John in the scripture, the John of Zechariah and Elizabeth was John the Baptist. Remember the guy shouting in the wilderness, make way, prepare the way for the Lord. 
The Bible goes on to say, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So how do we as people of faith make a way for the next generation? We have faith to believe in the, in the impossible. Although uh, Zachariah's first posture was doubt, he sure quickly came to faith, understanding as his wife was showing uh, the fact that anything is possible, uh, and as his wife embraced this future of what they had, the next generation, what God had said, uh, they had faith to believe in the impossible, but we also, like Zachariah, and his wife, we need to listen and heed what the Lord wants to do through the next generation. You see, because in verse 14, they said, he will bring you joy, and I think that was easy. If you've never had a child before and suddenly you're given this gift, whether it be through adoption or sudden miracle, that you have this child and it's this miracle, you're gonna have joy about this experience. You're gonna be excited about it, that makes sense. But the piece that they didn't forget, the piece that was really crucial in being able to make a difference and being people, heroes of the faith themselves, as, all, as well as equipping someone to be a hero of the faith, was the fact that they listened and heeded to the fact that John was not just an ordinary kid. He would bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He would make a way and prepare a way for the Messiah. The older I get, the stories that were once just Sunday school passages become something that I marvel at, that Zachariah has revealed not only that he will have a son, but that he has a mandate on his life. And this is where things can change for us as, as adults, as parents, as people who are investing in the next generation. When we look at that next generation, not just as people who can bring us joy, not that people who make us feel complete, but instead that they are a generation that can, has a mandate on their life that can bring change and hope and peace for the next generation, amen? This will change everything. The mandate changes everything. That baby in your home, that teenager in the driver's seat, that young adult in your basement struggling, that new parent or accomplished middle-aged child of yours, their life has a mandate. The Spirit's killing my heart today. <laughs> their life has a mandate. And as the ones entrusted to the role, whether it be as a parent, or as a grandparent, or as a teacher, professor, or as, a, as a, a mentor, or a friend. We must remember that they belong to God the Father, who knit them together in their mother's womb for a purpose that was bigger than your happiness or your lack of happiness. <laughs> Listen to God's heart for the ch your child. Listen to God's heart for the next generation. Heed the call of God over them. They may, be, they may not even be embracing that calling yet, but don't let your lack of vision for them get in the way of what God wants to accomplish. It goes for us corporately as well, doesn't it? That we can only see so far down the road, and that's where we get stuck because we don't have it all figured out perfectly. 
perfectly yet. But we can't let our lack of vision get in the way of what God plans to accomplish because he's called us. He's redeemed us. We are his. Zachariah and Elizabeth's boy would dress in camel clothes and eat locusts and honey, claiming to be a prophet in a time, get this, when God hadn't spoken through a prophet in four centuries, 400 years. What amazes me now that never factored in before was that Zachariah and Elizabeth not only trained up John to know the scriptures and honor the God of their forefathers, they also had to at some point in time release him into the wilderness, into the ministry he was destined for because it was bigger than them. It was bigger than them. A message to the younger generation in case you thought you're getting off the hook today. I mentioned it was my dad's birthday and I was thinking uh, along these lines of some different fun memories that we've had. And um, they weren't always fun, but there were some fun ones too. And, and I was thinking about a time when we were young and my dad took us fishing on Balsam Lake. Anyone know where Balsam Lake is? Yes, yes. Uh, and there were times we would catch little wee perch. Like we'd be sitting there fishing and we'd be so excited about the little wee fish that we caught. We were just, ah, oh, yes. That's not a perch, by the way. I'm aware of that, I'm pretty sure. But... Um, my dad would tell us to throw it back in. Just throw it back in. We'd say, what? This was our fish. We need to go home and show mom we caught a fish and be all excited, right? And he'd say, no, throw it back in. We were just happy to finally catch a fish. We didn't care how little or impractical it was, but he knew. <laughs> there was a bigger fish to be caught, and he believed we were capable of finding that fish. That was the element of faith right there as a father. And not always, and sometimes, not always, sometimes often, parents are right. <laughs> and we didn't have the foresight or the experience to understand there was something more the Father had seen in us and in our future. So when adults or mentors or f- friends who are older, a little bit wiser than you, tell you that God has more for you, would you just believe them? Would you trust them and not hold on to the little fish that you feel you caught and it's all yours? Release it back to God. Allow him to fulfill the bigger dreams that he has for you, the bigger plans he has for you. Listen to God, what, to what God has for you. It's bigger than you and I. I'm hesitant to carry on into chapter two because then I'm gonna pull us right to Christmas. You know it. But the two timelines overlap so, so nicely. I want you to be some, aware of something in regards to Elizabeth and her journey through this. Luke 1 verse 39, it says, at that time Mary, the Mary, <laughs> now pregnant with Jesus, got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Elizabeth was her cousin, her older cousin, much older. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, Elizabeth expecting John, remember? The baby leaped inside her womb and Elizabeth was 
filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. This is powerful. We take this for granted. We're Pentecostals. Like, of course she's filled with the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. She, in that moment, before Holy Spirit sends onto the earth, she's filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes upon her. And in a loud voice, she exclaims, Blessed are you among the other women, among the women, and blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. There's all sorts of goodness in this chapter. The truth that God is working in an unborn child in the womb. The evidence of the Holy Spirit's calling on John before he comes into this world. But this passage is a reminder. It's a reminder that how do we as people of faith make a way for the next generation? We have faith to believe in the impossible. We listen and heed what the Lord wants to do through them. But we are also moved as a generation by the Holy Spirit's promptings about what is to come. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She instantly recognized that God is doing something supernatural through this young woman who she must have been in a mentorship relationship with. And she brings a blessing to her. She confirms in a moment that I'm sure Mary needed a word of confirmation while carrying the Son of God at the risk of being isolated by the community around her. And Elizabeth, this mentor, says, blessed are you among women, Mary. It doesn't take too many words spoken by the Spirit to make an incredible difference. And this is what Elizabeth did. She makes another incredible Spirit-equipped, empowered moment This decision she makes in Luke 1, verse 59, on the eighth day, so the baby's been born, John's been born, John the Baptist, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him. It was part of the ceremony. They would name the child. And remember, Zacharias still can't speak and his mother speaks up. Elizabeth says, no, no, don't call him Zachariah. Don't name him after his dad. His name is supposed to be John. And they said, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. This does not make sense. And then they made signs to his father saying, tell your wife that she's going to be named after you. And he asked for a little tablet. Not a digital tablet, just a a little tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote the words, his name is John. And all the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea. People were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, uh, when, what then is this child, child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Zechariah, Elizabeth stands up and says, uh, what has always been doesn't need to be there's a destiny ahead of us for the next generation. And she says, you're going to call him John, just like the Spirit said to him. Zechariah, he confirms it and writes it down and puts his seal of approval on it that God is going to do something through this young man. And the community around comes around and says, we agree, God is doing something really spectacular here. And the Bible says, Zechariah, he was 
filled with the Holy Spirit, and he actually prophesied. Filled and moved by the Spirit to write, to sing, and prophesy praise for the next generation. One that would be written through scripture and remind it to us. He says, praise to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people. Obviously, at this time, he's received his voice again. Because of his faith. Praise to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people, redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And you, my child, verse 76, You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercies of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the Bible says the child, John, grew and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. John was the next generation of heroes of the faith whose only sole purpose was to point to the one true hero, Jesus. But dare I say, it would have been a rougher road for John if he didn't have the support of present day in his present day Heroes of the faith who said yes and amen to what God wanted to do for the next generation. We thank God that he calls all generations to serve and to be heroes of the faith. We thank God that we are all called to make a way for the next generation. It starts from the moment another generation begins. That means if you're a teenager, if you're uh, even an older child, there's another generation coming after you that you get to represent Christ to and say yes to what might seem impossible for them in the future. And my prayer is that God will help us to keep our eyes open for that generation. Help us to be people of faith and hope for the next generation. May we listen and honor the path God has prepared for them and help equip them for success and, with, and for wisdom for the journey ahead. May, he, may we not do this in our own strength. Amen? And may he fill us with his spirit so that we, whether we're parents, grandparents, mentors, influence, uh, influencers in a way that he would help us to influence in a way that is like him. And may the next generation be infused with the priorities of heaven because they were prioritized by this generation and reflected by this generation and the generation that came before it. I'm gonna call up our worship team to come at this time with Pastor Bobby and the team. It's a lot to take in thinking about being a hero of the faith. It's easy after hearing the different stories that's been shared by staff members and myself regarding those who we would look up to in scripture and say, oh, God used them in a mighty way. But I hope throughout every one of these stories 
that they weren't just nice stories to you and to myself, but instead that they were reminders to us that there's a little bit of a hero in each and every one of us, that God continues to use just ordinary people who become heroes because they said yes to the right thing. You just being here today, you choosing to show up on a Sunday, you choosing to come a week after week to be able to hear from God's word means you've got the right stuff in you to be able to be all that God needs you to be, to be able to make a way for the next generation. The things God is working in you right now, the the doubts, the insecurities that he's trying to flesh out and say, I can use you, I can use you, I can work through all those things. Let this be a moment when you can step into what God has for you in this season with a focus that's for generations and seasons to come. That you saying yes to God in this stage of your life is making a way for future generations to see the love of Jesus, the redemption of Christ, reflected in your life so that they can easily say yes to him as well. It's not difficult. (laughs) It doesn't take a whole lot of muscle or strength in your personal being. But it does take a willingness to be infused with all the flavor of heaven in every area of your life where you'll sit on the things of the Lord, where you'll mull over not negative thoughts or things or critiques or, or, or over your failures or over your disappointments, but instead you want to meditate and just sit in the presence of God and the truths of Scripture in a way that the aroma of Christ flows through you. I mean, that's what the next generation will remember. If you were to ask somebody what they remember about their grandmother's house at Christmas, or when they went for a visit, or their grandfather's maybe, their their house, or an aunt, a great aunt, or an uncle, or something that they would remember about their house, it would be the aroma when they walk through the door, whatever that might be. Wood stove burning, cookies baking, the roast in the oven. It's the aroma they remember. May the generation that follows you and thinks about you in your life remember the aroma of Christ that flowed through you. May they remember that you said yes and amen to what God had on your life. That they praise the Lord for the future and what God had planted for the next generation. And they made a way as heroes of the faith for you to step in and become a hero of the faith yourself. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that in our weakness, you, our strength is perfect, God. And so, God, I come to you as well as one who is not fully perfect in what you have planned, one who is 
comes with my faults and comes with my shortcomings each and every day, Lord, before you. But one thing that I can't forget is the fact that you knit me together in my mother's womb. You called me before I was even born. And so God, I pray right now you would remind each person in this room of your love for them, your hand over them, your destiny that you placed on them. And God, as they step into that with confidence, I pray now you would lift their eyes to be able to see just a little bit further the next generation, the people who are watching them, and help them, God, to have a deeper desire in their heart to be able to reflect the love of Jesus, the light of salvation, to be able to reflect the things of the Spirit, the empowerment of the Spirit, to a generation who is just longing to see if what we believe is true. And in doing that, God, may in some small way, just, just some small way, God, may we get a glimpse that we are equipping future heroes of the faith who will go much further than we will, amen? They will go much stronger than we will, amen? They're going to go farther in their faith. They're going to see more miracles. They're going to see more breakthroughs. They're going to see more salvations than we've ever seen, God, because you, God, are one who's doing something new. And we love you, Jesus, and we're grateful for our moments when we get to be heroes of the faith. But we pray, God, that there will be heroes that will come after us who will be much, much stronger because of the presence of God on their life, be, have much more of an impact because you have made a way for them, God. And that, Lord, just as the Bible says, in the last days that you would pour out your spirit in a way that we can't even imagine, that, Lord, we would be able to see, God, even now, your Holy Spirit moving in such a powerful way. We thank you, God, that we can smell the aroma already. We thank you, God, that we get a glimpse when we look into uh, grandchildren's eyes or when we look into the youth that are all excited about being at church. And, and God, we thank you for the little glimpses we see, God. But help us to remember that we are part of the process. Help us to remember, God, that your work for us is not done. And may we continue to be faithful, we pray.